Hey guys, what's uh, what's everyone doing on Saturday, October first? Uh, laundry, most likely. Mm. Yeah. Is it some sexy laundry? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta get them stains out. Yeah. They you don't come what? out. They don't. They, they don't come out. Indeed. But you know who should come out? The fucking listeners of this show, because we are invading the Pittsburgh Gaming Expo on Saturday, October first, six p.m. Because we're hosting a live panel and episode. Jens, are you excited about this? Yeah. I don't. I don't know why they decided it would be a great idea to Bad invite us to this. But I'm fucking stoked. Poor decisions were made for them. <laughs> mm. It's going to be a real good time. Uh, the Midnight Listener said that this is going to be a triumph in uh, in panel history and of we- audible noise. <laughs> <laughs> there will be noises <laughs> and they will yes. be audible. They will yes. be audible noises. And we want you, the dear, sweet, succulent listener, to come on out and join us Saturday, October 1st, the Monroeville Expo Mart in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, as we discuss game changers revolution in gaming what the fuck does that mean who the fuck cares <laughs> we're gonna it's, find out we're gonna find out, we're gonna find out when we get there. it just sounded nice it sounded good but you know what's gonna sound even better our beautiful fucking voices coming out of live. our beautiful fucking in person. live mm. with an audience mm. of people that we might not know oh we're almost certainly not gonna know at least one of them at least at, at least. least one of them and here's the thing i'm gonna know them all biblically by the end of this fucking podcast. I as I would love to know what the over-under is going to be of people that are going to wander in, listen to what we're saying for just a few moments, and then get up and then walk out. <laughs> I think someone should just have a tally mark yeah, just on start stage. Score up there. But we want, to, want you to all join us. Uh, there's only one really great way, and that's to be there live and in person to do so. All you need to do is buy an admission for Saturday's event. Now, it's not just us. I know we're enough for the fucking cost of admission. It's only $20, $25 at the door, $20 in advance. But there's also, it's a gaming convention. So there's other panels, there's other speakers, there's live music, there's live arcade games, vendors selling video game specific shit. Oh, they got beer, it's gonna be fun. Tabletop games, console games. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a video game lover's dream. So if you have an opportunity to find yourself in Monroeville, first off, Fucking come out and check us out. Absolutely. What, we have what the say. fuck are you doing in Monroeville? Yeah, you can do whatever the fuck you want after that. Yeah, come on, Monrovers. Uh, but make sure you get your ass out there. Check us out. Check out the convention. Support some local artists and stuff like that, too. It's going to be a great fucking time. And we want to invite you to not only keep an eye on our Facebook page and our social media, but go to PittsburghGamingExpo.com for tickets and other events happening at the convention. Gentlemen, I'll see you there. We'll be Indeed. there. Excellent. This week on the show, we're going to discuss something of extreme intricacy. That's right, we're going to talk about the College of Cardinals, the Vatican, it's the papacy. What is the Catholic Church all about? How does one become the leader of the Catholic Church, the trials, the tribulations, and all that comes with it? It's Poopin' Ain't Easy, this week on Nothing Good. Listen, that was an amazing intro as always, and Thank I'd you. really like to talk about this particular subject, but first got to talk about SummerSlam 1992. Ah, fuck you. I mean, we, listen, this is why Not we're you. here. But you. 
You know who you are. You yeah. know what you did. You know what you did. Do we have any actual like downloads from Vatican City? I don't think, for very good reason, they don't keep track of people's internet access. That's a really good Everything's in private browsers. Yep, yep. The entire city is in incognito mode. We're talking, yeah. Anyhow, so let's let's talk about why we're here. First and foremost, gents, how you guys doing this fine evening? Pretty good. Doing fucking great, man. Very well. I'm doing well. I'm doing great. Let's talk about 30 years ago. 30 we're talking years. That's a long almost exactly 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were all just babies. Supple babies. I mean, not really. Babies, but I mean, we I was like 10 years old, but okay. Not, well, we're still single digits. We, we keep mentioning babies. I was babies 10, and we're almost gonna, 10 years old. We're, gentlemen, gentlemen, we're, we're almost, almost 10. 10. We keep mentioning babies and being supple young children. We're going to get downloads of Vatican City. I was going to say, you got to watch Listen, what you're saying. I don't know why. <laughs> because Pope ain't easy. Oh, my God. Pope ain't easy. We're offending at least six people. Um... 30 years They're going to be relocated to a Wembley new parish Stadium. soon. It's going to be okay. <laughs> the audible we're, sound of people shutting off our podcast. We're talking about one of the most important moments in wrestling history. Absolutely. Right? We're talking about we're talking 1992, which is a long fucking time ago. It is a long fucking time ago. Are you talking about Earthquake and Typhoon being the WWF Tag Team Champions? No. We will. But I'm, I'm talking about the main event. <laughs> uh, are you talking about Shawn Michaels versus The Model? No. I'm that talking about the main the event. Model Wait, that, that wasn't the main event? In someone's heart, it was. Probably just Martell's. There's so much to talk I, about. I got love for the model, thank yes. you very much. Yes. And I, when we get to it, I, I also have love for the model. Mar- the model. Martell. It's yeah. weird. The model. The model. But it's called Rick the model. <laughs> you know what's great? Somewhere a French Canadian is mad at me. What? If anybody just started paying attention to wrestling during the Attitude Era and uh, NCW or WCW, NWO, and all that kind of stuff, they would have no fucking clue if it was Martel or Model or Martel or anything. You could say anything you want, and they'd fucking buy it because nobody knows who that fucking guy was. Yeah, yeah, not anyone except outside that era. You're yeah. right. So, yeah. Oh well, we're gonna talk about it, and we want to we'll talk about there. this. Yes, we will. this is totally off topic, but definitely on topic. Didn't the model? Didn't Martel have a run in WCW? Like, he did right? for like five minutes. He did, and uh, it wasn't a bad run. For no, it was actually was pretty good. So I don't want to uh, flex my nerd vein and my thick robbing wrestling fle- penis why here. Why he flexed like fourteen times during the fucking yeah. match? Okay, well, yeah, he, uh, that's all he does. He just could you imagine being that tight all the time? Like just like <laughs> like he lets go, he just fucking expands. No, uh, they brought him in like under that whole Eric Bischoff do that fucking. Uh, we've got a former WWF champion coming in for weeks, and it was Rick Martel. It was Rick and he actually Martel. got into a good program with Booker T yep. over the TV championship yep. uh, until he got hurt. And then he did the most awesome ex WWF wrestler thing. He got hurt and got paid by WCW until the company closed down. So good for it's Rick good Martel. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Well, for you're him. saying that Booker T had a good run with somebody, as always. Yes. As Who always. did Booker T not have a good run with? Oh, that is a really great question. And I'm sure someone out there has the answer, but I can't think of one. If Booker ha- T was fucking incredible. If you have the answer, please feel free to reach out to us on our social media platforms via Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's wonderful. Wonderful reason. And buy the merch and then send us your fucking bad <laughs> Booker T match and then we yeah. will proceed to publicly annihilate you for having such yeah. a shitty opinion, but only after having your money. And that's what capitalism is all about. Nice sure. plug. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate it. So let's get to the, the meat and potatoes. What are we drinking this fine evening? Well, Doc, why don't you start us off? Because you have to unscrew an apparatus. To well, get I, d- I know because I wrote it down this time. Beautiful. It's better than screwing an apparatus. <laughs> well, 
That well, was there was well, well, hold on. Um, Depends on the apparatus. Science, science, yeah. uh, technology is increasing well, every there's day. There's a lot and of large portion of our, edges over there. I don't a, know. A large portion of our a portion of our scientific budget in this country goes to a- increasing the apparatuses that you can screw. I mean, the technology since like, 30 years, it was just a vacuum cleaner with like a rubber glove over it, you know. And now, whew, you can go to you can go to a Sunoco and get and get a device. Just <laughs> watch any adult video online. The first 30 seconds is an advertisement for just one of those said devices. Not like I would know, but let's be honest, I probably know. No, I mean you can skip that ad after a certain period of time. Dude, not if you're you not to? if you're a potential buyer. Yeah, not, no, no, not, yeah. not, not if it's a really good ad. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Sometimes you just go, oh, tell me more. I can wait. Go ahead. I'll wait. That's all. I'm so uh, I'm drinking uh, a Tropicana Mango Lime IPA, and, and even though it is about to be fall, uh, or it is really fall at this point, um, it's in it's it's in in reference to the Summer Slams. In reference to the it's it's a mango lime flavor. It's very festive and it's really fucking good. Good. Yes. Excellent. The rest of us, Jafar, why don't you say what the rest of yeah, us are Yeah, we are drinking uh, fall seasonal beer from Southern Tier. It's called Harvest. Uh, it's an autumn IPA. It's uh, nice and warm. Makes you feel good on the insides. It's a campfire beer. Yeah. It really absolutely. is. Yeah. Um, gents, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. I'm ready for fall. I like, know I'm, you I'm diving. I'm diving full into the apple cider. I'm di- diving full into the pumpkin spice. Like, let's fucking go. Bring it. I do enjoy a good apple spider cider and spider. Whatever the fuck. <laughs> what the fuck does no. that even look I like? I don't even know. Apple spider. <laughs> it's nightmare fuel. What is that? Just go ahead up to one of those like random like internet generators where you ask artificial intelligence what is an apple spider and uh, just see what happens. Yeah, we'll post that on our social media. And by another thing we always say we're gonna do, we never do posting things to our social media. But you know what? I'm kind of glad that didn't have social media at its time. SummerSlam 1992. Yes. Uh, it was a time. It was a place. It and was a whole thing. So this is a snapshot. So should I do the the normal, uh, here's a snapshot of wrestling at the time? I mean, you're really sure. good at it. At so 1992. Well. So right now, wrestling is in what could only be described as its first major decline since the birth of Hulkamania. A large portion of that is the fact that Hulk Hogan has fucked right off of the WWF. Following his monumental, unbelievably fucked up finish with Sid Justice Sid Vicious mm. at the end of WrestleMania 8, a match that should not have been the main event, that included such wonderful wrestlers as Papa Shanga, who I actually do like, but is nowhere to be found on this fucking show, and the return of the Ultimate Warrior, Hogan said, fuck this place, I'm going off to do fucking Santa with mu- muscles, or Mr. Nanny, or any of that horse shit. So Suburban Commando? Suburban Commando actually was before this. You're huh. a dead mm-hmm. man, Ramsey. Uh, the Undertaker's... One starring role in a motion picture. <laughs> so right now we're in the point of the world is changing for professional wrestling. Sting is currently the man in WCW along with Lex Luger and nobody cares. ECW has been recently founded as Eastern Championship Wrestling, not Extreme Championship Wrestling as it would take the turn in the 90s. So all of this wrestling landscape is changing and now we have SummerSlam which has been Historically, the second biggest pay-per-view of the year, and it is the very first in WWF history not to feature Hulk Hogan on it whatsoever. Not even a part of the advertisement as for this pay-per-view. And still, they managed to sell out a pay-per-view for 80,000 reported seats. Why? Because England is fucking starved for entertainment yes. in 1992. I, I, as you're saying that, I, I would feel remiss if I didn't mention the fact that any time anybody talks about the attendance at Wembley Stadium for that pay-per-view... It is reported. It's always alleged. It is always yeah. alleged. Yeah. I fucking love that. Yeah. 
There's a couple of shows in WWF history that no one ever believes the actual buy rate. <laughs> and by a couple, I mean every fucking show that they've ever done. Unless you can verifiably understand that they've sold out and didn't paper it. That only really happened in the Attitude Era. Yeah, especially if you think about what technology was like in 92. Like, you couldn't just go on Ticketmaster and buy a ticket on your phone or your computer even. Like, you had to go to a box office. You were waiting in line at Kaufman's. Yes. Oh, so hours. Hours. so mm-hmm. allegedly, they say they sold sixty-five thousand seats in five days. Like that was the window. Um, you know, the UK is a strange place. Now, however, they do, regardless of how many people actually bought tickets and how many people were in the building, they were a fucking electric crowd. I mean, the amazingly, enti- the entire show. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, wrestling in the U.S. was on the decline mm-hmm. during that time, but it was still big in the UK. Absolutely, this event was originally supposed to take place in Maryland, just outside of DC. But McMahon saw an opportunity to take it across the pond where people were eager to get some wrestling and uh, decided to put it in Wembley Stadium instead. Yeah, you didn't get a lot of uh, overseas pay-per-views, typically. This no, was the first this one? this was number one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or even since. I mean, you know, Crown Jewel aside at this there's point. There's been a few, I mean... Uh, there was a lot of UK-only pay-per-views yeah, in the Attitude Era. houses... Um, Maybe at what two in your houses that were in the UK? Maybe three maximum. Yeah, well, and a lot of those were pre-tapes that were just aired because on delay yeah. in the United States because of the the difference in time. But um, no, we're we're coming off of a time here where not only are so not only did Hogan fuck right off after WrestleMania eight, but Vince knew he was going to fuck right off after WrestleMania eight, which is why the WWF champion is the Macho Man Randy Savage because at to that time there was one motherfucker he could count on wasn't Ric Flair who had just historically held up Jim Hurd and WCW for money <laughs> and it wasn't the Ultimate Warrior who just fucking came back at WrestleMania 8 it would not be long for this world and he had not yet had the confidence in his quote unquote new generation which would begin shortly after this pay-per-view yep. so good old workhorse to dusting off the Macho Man who wins the belt not in the main event at WrestleMania 8 and is your top star heading into this show did anybody else notice that Macho Man Randy Savage looked an awful lot like the wrestler Bonesaw from the original Spider-Man movie that I noticed, uh, Peter I Parker wrestled? Are they are they like cousins or like first, second removed yeah. or something like that? Or? Possibly. I, don't know. I know that we had Macho Man for a staggering thirty-two minutes in the, in his match, and Bonesaw only needs three. So I there got is you a for three minutes. Yep. <laughs> Less than that if he if he gets a hold of you. Uh, speaking of fucking right off and coming back, the Ultimate Warrior makes his return. Golly. After telling multiple people to fuck off and yes. what to do and all kind of terrible things, he shows up at the end, misses his cue, yep. uh, along with Papa Shango at the end of WrestleMania 8, adding to that clusterfuck, a show we absolutely have to cover for a variety of some reasons point, at yeah. one point, because there's some good and bad on that damn show. Uh, and he's back now and uh, as Vince's number one B Babyface in the show, uh, the organization that won't last very much That's longer. Sad, but it won't. after this show, yeah. and, and it's, it's, it's the only time I'll ever say it's had because of the performances that were put on later in this program. But the real story is why we're talking about this is it's largely historically considered a one-match show. Yep. Because this show Facts. is about the rise of the WWF mid-card champion Bret the Hitman Hart and his coming out party. You may He's, have heard of him. You may have heard of Once him or twice, at least. All those times on this fucking podcast, if you've been dealing with it. This is the night that everyone agrees Bret Hart became the man. Why? How? We'll find out. We will get to that. So, for for our our, our dear, sweet, sweet wrestling listeners, Mm -hmm. um, Bret Hart is often referred to as the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Mm -hmm. Excellence of execution. Now, I feel like that title was probably born in Canada. 
So if you go with the exchange rate into the United States, what does that fucking even mean? Dave, I don't know. I've never. That's a hell of a question. You broke my brain because I don't know how to answer that. Let's reconcile that question. We all have this puzzled look on our face, like. How the fuck? I don't even uh, know how that works. Does anybody even, even yeah. thought if you're about an that? economics professor, will you please write in the show? <laughs> Reach Fucking out to Goodwill us. Hunting needs Help to come and solve that. that math problem. <laughs> so, here we are, guys. It is London, Wembley Stadium, the summer of 1992, and we are here for the show. Now, I want to ask before we get in, because I know Doc and I, of course, of our friendship, have discussed this show and the, the main event multiple times. Right. But I would like to know, did you guys ever see this show before watching it for the podcast? What have you heard? Uh, what's going on? Jafar? Yes, I had seen the show as a child and, again, as an adult. At least one match as an adult. Maybe two. Uh, so I knew the entire backstory of everything going in. So it was nice to see it again uh, at sure. least the last 30 minutes. I understand. Mac. Are you familiar? Were you familiar with the show on, in a biblical sense before beginning? <laughs> I uh, I laid with this show mm. uh, for about three months back in the summer of two thousand three. Um, it was essential. It was um, it was warm. Nice. It was it was safe. Really, you know, it didn't it didn't ask much of me, and it didn't take much more. Mm. So. Actually, no, I was not actually familiar with the show at all. It's the first oh. time I've uh, I've actually watched this pay-per-view. Um, and, in fact, uh, I didn't really even know a lot of the backstory okay. going into the, um, the you know, quote-unquote uh, main event, which wasn't the main event, but also was the main event. And clearly, when you watch the show, it's the fucking main event. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I got some feelings about it, watching it at this stage. I, I think I uh, I learned a lot. You know, I grew as a human, mm. and uh, I'm not the same man I was before I watched it. That's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear how you've changed when we get to that point. Well, let's get right down to the to the nitty gritty, right? First match. No, no, we're not. First, I want to talk about <laughs> what are we talking about? The opening pro package that they interview all <laughs> oh the fuckers standing in setting. Please, if you have the same note about this the that same I do, line I will fucking lose my shit. That the British bulldog is going to win whether he, he wants, wants to or, or not. not. Oh my <laughs> god, so much conviction. I cannot <laughs> fucking believe it. you had that. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody, like, I remember seeing that shit as a kid, going, "Motherfucker." <laughs> What's yeah. like, like, That yeah. kid meant his shit. He yeah. did. So, it was a she, not a he. I know that And now. she came out on Twitter a number of years ago as I was the bulldog kid in that promo package at that pay-per-view. Wow. That instantly got her stands by it. She still stands by it. You just broke my brain with that because I thought that was a little boy. Well, we gotta, I feel like the Not A Good Account has to only follow one person and it's the bulldog yeah. kid. Oh my God. That's fucking perfect. Which well, one okay. of you bastards runs our Twitter account? You do, right? I do. Yeah, yeah. Follow the bulldog kid. I will follow, I will find the bulldog kid I, and I shall follow. I heard that and yeah. I stopped and I was it's like, weird. wait. It's a weird thing. Wait, because I mean, it was it was a little bit later in the, in the evening when I was when I was watching it. I had had a few beers up to this point in time, so I don't really know where my mind was going in all this. And it was kind of one of those things. Did I just actively hear what I thought I heard? No, nobody's gonna actually say that the British Bulldog is going to win whether he wants to or not. Wait, is this kid breaking kayfabe? Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck's going on here? With a good what time. To you, what does this my kid? Off. What does this kid know? Did did she have the foresight? 
Did she travel back in time <laughs> knowing? Did she have trademarked this Twitter handle 20 years before Twitter was a thing? Knowing that she was going to be interviewed. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> right? a, lot of, a lot of existential questions. And, I, and, then I, and then I heard it, and I'm like, well, fuck. I'm, I'm in. Let it's it go. Good. It's it's like something that like okay I remember it, but I did not recall it when hitting play. And like yeah. what a great way to start this off. Like that oh. the f- first memorable thing about this show is in the first twenty five seconds and the fan package. And it might be one of the only memorable things for the next two plus hours of watching this pay per view. I one thousand percent disagree about that because there's a lot of memorable things. And for me, just gonna segue into our first match here. Was it Ro- is- was it Rocco? Oh, I'm going to rant about Rocco and Jameson and all the other fun stuff that we're going to get to from that era that no one talks about because we don't want to remember. We block it out like a sneaky uncle coming into our room. Fucking Rocco and the Legion of Doom. But before we do, this is the second show. We've only reviewed two shows in this era. They've both been in 1992. We only did one match, and that was the Royal Rumble drinking game in oh. 1992. That was the night that Dave disappeared. That was yeah. the night that I just vanished. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. So hammered. Uh, that he disappeared into a vortex of Sid viciousness, and, uh, but one of the things, and it's like it's like 1992 in a fucking nutshell to me, that like you start play on a pay per view and you get the intro, the pageantry of the the following contest is the Royal Rumble or Welcome to SummerSlam, and then <laughs> and money and oh Teddy DiBiase's, it immediately fucking brings you in yes. to 1992, money, baby. Like, like like it's one of it's it's one of the most iconic theme songs ever, and mm-hmm. Teddy DiBiase comes out in a fucking snazzy all white. Listen, I absolutely wrote that down. Like this motherfucker is ready to play. He is. All, I don't I don't think I've ever really seen He's him in all, all white business, before. Yeah. No, I remember. No. I think it's only two shows that he ever wear all white in, and I'm pretty sure it's this in WrestleMania Nine because the people he was wrestling mm. wore all black. I think mm. is the whole the whole concept. But oh, dude, yeah, you're like, oh, okay, this not, this show starts with money, goddamn Inc. Ted DiBiase also does one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time, and Bray Wyatt's dad. Yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. So I we, I bring this up, uh, and I think I've, I know we've discussed this before, both all, I'm pretty sure on the podcast, but I know for sure off the podcast, but it's it, it's worth bringing up yet again. Um, in like the laundry list of, of great professional wrestlers, uh, sports entertainers, uh, performers who've never been heavyweight champion of the fucking world, man, like where does DiBiase land on your list? Is he in the top three who should have been heavyweight champion at least one good fucking time? Yeah, he's and in my top three. I, he's got to be, but I also my brain also does that in wrestling nerd thing where he technically had the belt and defended it at house shows before the the aired that he never won the belt right. and took it away from count. him. No, but it struck from that's the record. Why he had his own belt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was so over he didn't need the heavyweight title. And I yeah. get it. I don't. I never get that phrase. I, I it's just it. a cop out for it someone is, who realizes that, that they missed the mark on yeah. booking a guy. He yeah. should have been heavyweight he champion. Should, absolutely. Of course, I think it too. It's a babyface territory. Yeah, I think it's he's on good. the list, but probably on the bubble, not in the top three. He's not in your top three. He's in my no. definitely my top three. Yeah. He's I, right on the right on the cusp of. He's that. in your top ten for sure. Yeah, I think in, no in, in, from a distance, without trying to put yourself in how much heat he had for being the million dollar man, it's it's easy to go. Oh, he's he's on the list, but I don't know if he's the guy. But like when he was. WrestleMania four, feuding with even that time in the in the late like, after eighty between eighty eight and ninety two, he was always a viable threat. He always wrestled the babyface champion, and he was always had the fucking heat on him. So it's like it could imagine him pulled the trigger. heavyweight champion, and like he would he would defend it. He would he, his whole thing was I already booked this in my fucking head years ago. Oh shit! He would fucking sit, come out and he'd be like, I'm the the hardest working WWF champion of all time. <laughs> I'll take on all comers, anybody. Who out there wants a piece of a million dollar man, Ted DiBiase? And then some fucking guy would come out. Fucking big jack dude. 
And then he'd look and Virgil like, oh no. And then he come out and then DiBiase, they grapple for a second and he's just fucking lay down. <laughs> and he pin him. One, two, three. Dude, get up. Had him some money. That'd be perfect. And he could fucking, fucking do that for weeks perfect. and weeks, months back in those days, especially. Do you, do you remember in a previous episode of this podcast available in the archives when we were having a conversation about Herb Jones Star Wars fan fiction? Yeah, that was and, very recently. And you archives. couldn't and you couldn't find it. Do you know why you couldn't find it? Why? Because it wasn't about Star Wars at all. It was about the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. It was on the WWF.com or AOL.com. Yeah, yeah. That's why you couldn't find it. Yeah, he fucking buried it. That's that's really good. That's really good shit. DiBiase was the Han and Virgil was the Chewy. It would have been money. You could have spent an entire fucking year with him doing that and having Hogan just chase him. Okay, so then I love that you got that kind of promotion and that kind of booking for DiBiase. And even though they won the championship, the booking for DiBiase has been largely great. You know whose WWF booking wasn't great? IRS. The fucking opponents for IRS oh, and Money. The legendary tag team, the Legion of Doom, accompanied by Paul Allering and who? Who? Uh, Rocco. Rocco. No yeah. recollection of this. Fucking puppet. It's because we blocked it out. I, I forgot about this. the doll. Uh, I, why the That's fuck was that a thing? It's fucking weird. There, there's a. I, I realized going through this pay per view that there is a very specific formula that not necessarily that the pay per view was following, but that the WWF talent and booking was following, mm-hmm. and that is um, an over the top gimmick that makes almost no sense. Yes, like a hard gimmick, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Borderline occupation. Yeah. Um, and everybody had pretty much a manager and escort. Again, most of which made almost no sense. But that's the guy walking out with him. That you. was the person that was walking out with him. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, a lot of them were also in a tag team. So, you gotta say that, like, forgetting and not looking at this card, only knowing the two matches on this card, the title match and the the very last match and forgetting everything else on here when you hear the what a rush so good you're like fuck yes and that theme song is badass and then they come out on bikes and then you got Rocco out there and it immediately like <laughs> took all the joy out of it. Rocco out there. do you guys remember the actual vignettes about Rocco no, and how they found them I, I decided I to not look it up because I remember <laughs> this shit because again WWF superstars lost my shit and so I remember every scrap of details including we'll get to nails a little bit later in this goddamn show uh. but there in order to like show how tough the Legion of Doom are and how not only physically tough but mentally tough they are they go to a, uh, a, an area of Chicago that they grew up in that they have personally assisted in demolishing showing that the Legion of Doom and Paul Ellering are willing to wreck their own hometown so imagine what they'll do to Money Inc and coming through the wreckage and finding all these memory uh, memories Paul Ellering finds Rocco the Legion of Doom's little brother puppet that was always there for them when they needed a friend and he's gonna he's gonna fucking bring Rocco they, with them they fucking had each other <laughs> I you, know. you don't need a ventriloquist dummy when you're a fucking tag team I just imagine Vince McMahon doing a line of cocaine off of some poor stripper's back and going you know the Legion of Doom need pal a fucking dummy at that point, it was still Linda's. At that point, it was still Linda's back. It was. It was still no, Linda's back. Nobody that rides into the ring on a fucking motorcycle needs a friend. They no, have a friend. No, it's, it's that their fucking motorcycle. motorcycle. <laughs> you know, it's anybody with a motorcycle will tell you. <laughs> I and will, if, that's true. And if you have an issue with driving a motorcycle, with what I just said, Noah, fuck you. Thank you. So I want to put this in a general perspective for, for those 
uh, maybe at this table or you know listening at home or in your car or riding a bike <laughs> or a tricycle whatever you taking do taking control of I don't judge questions. Um, <clears throat> what if they're riding one of those new like electric bike hybrids yeah, fucking weird that's cool too um, <laughs> the legion of doom the road fuck the legion of doom the road warriors were a fucking big deal huge huge I, and it's fun like there's a term that people use called road warrior pop right that's that's a real thing because they were so goddamn over that the eruption that the fans would create when they would show up was something that you had to witness your on your own you couldn't be told about the fucking road warrior pop you'd live it you had to fucking feel that shit i never felt yeah, the road warrior experience pop. yeah i don't know anybody fucking personally who's ever fucking it because i don't know anybody who lived in the fucking south during those days <laughs> but back in the day the road warriors were no fucking joke they're one of the most iconic important famous legendary tag teams of all fucking time they demolished everybody there was that point where they first came into was a jcp yep where like th- no one touched them they beat the fuck out of everybody their feud with the fucking horsemen the feud i mean like they were a big fucking deal and to see them in 1992 with the machine that is the WWF behind them, which is not totally the machine yet, the way it would end up being, but still it a big fucking deal. It just actually stopped being the machine yeah. and was not yet to be the machine again. To see them come out on fucking motorcycles in Wembley Stadium around potentially 80,000 fucking plus people with a fucking dummy. Are you shitting me? Yep. Jones. I've watched them beat people. I've watched them bloody people. Road Warrior Hawk also felt the same exact way. Yeah, like, oh, he wanted he, no part of that fucking. He fucking Rocco. quit the next day. Yeah, by the way, well, he, he, didn't, he didn't quit. He just didn't show yeah. anymore. No, well, he's we, like, I'm gonna go we on call a bender. Quiet. He was also doing cocaine off of Linda McMahon. Yeah, well, he was he was on some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and 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 rest in peace to both members of the Legion. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. They 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 deserve better. The amount of we're at the point here. We talked about it a little bit in Royal Rumble 1992 before we got too hammered to really care about a lot of stuff. Mm. And, uh, I di- and I disappeared. And we're, um, we're not going to vanish. And if we ever talk do WrestleMania 7, that's the starkest realization of this. But a lot of the guy, a lot of the guys in this era die too young yeah. and, and yeah, left no us. And, and shockingly, it's not, well, oh, we know when you watch a wrestling show, you're like, oh, a couple of these guys are dead. There's only a couple of these guys alive. Yeah. And it's, and it's, yeah, it's pretty wild. A lot of, lot of different drugs for these guys. A lot of stuff, dude. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of difficulties on their bodies. You know, it was not an environment conducive to sustain a human being. No. And, you know, I, I think history has that mark on this. Um, Jones, talking about LOD real quick. Uh, softball question for you. Top 10 tag team of all time? Of course. Kay. Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Top five. Okay, that's my next question. Top yeah. five? Yeah. Top three? No. Okay. Are we talking about like me as a personal, as a fan, or I think in general? How are you feel like answering it? I can answer both ways. Well, I didn't and realize both you, ways are different. I didn't realize because like, they're two different answers. Jones, I didn't yeah. realize you went both ways. I'm intrigued. Go, doesn't everybody t- though? T- tell me more. Um, Very well played. In all seriousness, uh, as a person, as a fan, they are not in my top three. But if you ask me, like, okay, like, just take your personal feelings out of it, like, their impact, what they've done, their lasting impression, what they were able to accomplish, how many tag titles they held, how big and important, how much money they drew. Better yet, how much fucking money did they draw? Well, fuck, they're in the top two. Yeah, look at all the kids in the fucking crowd. With their shoulder pads and, and their the faces painted. Pain. I was one of, one of those shoulder thought? pads. Everybody, yeah. everybody wanted one, 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 one of those shoulder pads. Yeah. No doubt. Everybody Hell yeah. And, and no one had 
the wherewithal to even realize like that's the last time we saw LOD for three years before they showed up in WCW. Yep. That's some wild shit. I had those shoulder pads when I was younger playing ice hockey. I got in a lot of trouble for that. Oh, so bad. But the not yeah, I wasn't, wasn't exactly yeah. encouraged. I would agree with that statement that on my personal tag team, Mount Rushmore, they're not on it. But on the indisputable, take your brain and your heart and your feelings out of it and put it on there, it's a no-brainer that the Road Warriors are on there. Just because, also, we're talking about Jim Crockett promotions. They never had a heel run of any note in the WWF if they ever did at all. But this is a team that was so hot as heels that they would throw baby faces at them. And and these are the people that did that love that that Roddy Piper no uh no non-finish but no one cared because wrestling was so hot. At the time you loved the brawl to the back kind of a horseshit. And then they turned they were so over they turned baby face. Yeah. But when they needed it, they would just like literally take a shoulder pad spike off and stab Dusty Rhodes in the eye. <laughs> and then they were fucking if heels. You wheel. If you wheel if and then they wheel. would heels again, baby. And then they would come out and they would save Lex Luger, baby. And then the baby faces again and no one would care until WCW stopped paying them that road warrior money, baby. And then they went to Vince McMahon and got themselves a puppet. Is it a rim? What? The Dusty, The polka dots? Oh, the th- puppet for the fucking road warriors? Look, if you ask certain people in the know, they would say it was not a rib. I think that's bullshit. Fuck you, Bruce. It's gotta fuck be. you. Why the fuck would you want that? It's definitely Listen, a rib. Yeah. If I, it, it has to be on some level. It has to be. It has to be. It's just like, ah, oh, fuck it. If they're that good, if they're that popular, they can get over with a fucking dummy strapped in there. I, I, I look at it as, in a weird way, like the McDonald's Corporation. You know, you want to go. You want to go ahead and rope people in for life. You fucking appeal to them as kids. Mm-hmm. And what's going to appeal to any kid? Dusty Rhodes in a fucking polka dot costume, I mean, right? That was it. That was fucking Road Warriors with a puppet. You know, puppets were big then, right? Everybody, everybody had fucking Kermit the Frog. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just shooting shit. But you get the idea. Eventually, yeah, Dan, you're 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 you in know, Vince's mindset right now. Vince, if, if Vince wanted to go ahead and you know take the piss out of things that he didn't really create. But also, like, well, you know, I'm going to fucking justify this because I want to appeal to kids and get you hooked for life and everything. Do Exhibits thing. right at this table. All the WCW um, guys. Yeah. So, you know, why the fuck not? See, on the other side of the coin, you and we're getting way off in the weeds on this one, but I think it's, it's a good conversation to have. There are other people who would say, well, that's nonsensical, right? Because money's involved. Why would you go through the effort R&Ding things, going through, you know, you know, uh, vignettes, that's money. Yeah, it's got to be some draw. You know, you have. Why would you do something to not make money, to not draw money? Because back then, especially, Vince's whole thing was the whole, his promotion was a promotion. You had you had to make money. You had to put asses in the seats. There were no big TV deals. There were there was nothing. They were they were they were not a a, 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 a publicly traded company, so they needed to be able to sell tickets. So why logically would Vince McMahon, as a rib, give them a fucking puppet? Because it wouldn't draw money unless he thought it would. I'm gonna answer that question by googling a list. That's, that's just that's just the other side of the coin, right? Not saying I agree no, with no, it. See, but and not I, every idea is a great idea. No, exactly. no, and and, and uh, I disagree with the the yes man mentality that has said that to mm. us over the time. Bruce Pritchard. He's never gonna listen to this fucking show. So I can say Bruce Pritchard and only yes man, who I respect all his contributions and I love his show. But the idea that why would Vince do that? Why would we have to? Uh, why would we do anything and spend money on something that wouldn't make us amount of money? And allow me to just run down a quick amount of list of WWE stars that Vince McMahon has put himself on camera making out with, mm-hmm. and tell me where this fucking drew money. Stacy Keebler, Tori Wilson, Candice Michelle, William Regal, 
Hornswoggle. Rocco. Jim Ross and his ass. All of these people are people that visit Trish Stratus. He's even had weird incestuous angles with his own daughter. That never drew a fucking dime. They drew way less dimes than Jeff Jarrett ever breaking a guitar over someone's head. But for some strange reason, that's okay. He, Vince is allowed to do that, even though it just doesn't make any fucking money. But putting Dusty Rhodes, oh no, that's 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 not a rib. That was serious. The fucking greatest wrestling mind that's not Vince McMahon to ever fucking live. Putting him in, in polka dots, even though he literally ran against you, Starcade, against your events on purpose to compete with you because you were monopolizing the wrestling business, you would never hold a grudge. You would never threaten cable operators that they personal. would never be able nah. to air your pay-per-views if they didn't pull his pay-per-view off of the air. Oh, wait, Vince did do that shit because he is petty about that shit because his ego makes him fucking make out with women 30 years younger. And as we now know about Vince McMahon and his ego, <laughs> we that know shit more. is like entry-level dick-headed maneuver. So, yeah, the Road Warriors and their fucking puppet, I, it was just a shot to try to see, oh, if they're good, they can get over with that. If not, fuck them. I've got a whole bunch of other... Let me tell you about the Barbarian and the Warlord. Let's talk about the other amazing yeah. teams they... <laughs> wait... But no, because they had not. just broken up all of the other amazing yeah. tag teams yeah, they had the year before. The time. Because two of those guys and the other amazing tag teams are in singles match later on in the show, and they're doing quite fine. So, so I'm gonna. Let's, so we've spent a long time on this match. I'm gonna. Let's just go and fast just, forward. This. I'm gonna just tell you my quick thoughts on it. Yeah. As an opener, it was fine. It was great, serviceable. But there's one issue I had. One what? singular issue. There's no Doomsday device. God oh, damn it. Oh, no, I have it in my notes. Teddy Biasi's like, fuck that. He ain't taking that shit. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I actually had to go back and watch the finish of the match a second time because my brain inserted the Doomsday device. <laughs> yeah. And I actually realized it didn't happen. Nope. And I was like, wait, that's, did it? Did that actually not happen? And no, I went back and was like, no, happen. it didn't. It didn't. It should have. It was it was very. Uh, I mean, it should have. But like Teddy Biasi, you've been in, you've made a lot of money in this company. You're the one, the elder statesman of these four guys in this fucking promotion. Like, I'm not taking that fucking move. I'm not trusting these guys who just drank the entire time on a 12 hour flight over here. Yeah. Have not stopped and are pissed about a puppet. I'm not taking that. And Mike Rotunda's like, fuck that. No. I'm like, how about you just beat me with a power slam? And that's what it is. Now, I did like a couple of spots. Uh, big pop on the hot tag though. It's blueprint. It is blueprint wrestling in that era, and it was blueprint road warriors as that nobody took a bump or sold anything until they absolutely had to, and then they popped right up. Uh, no, yeah, it's clean finish though, but definitely. Yeah, it was. It was probably long, a few minutes longer than it needed to it be. Went too yeah. It was like fifteen minutes or something like that. But like you could tell that like Hawk's heart wasn't in it. Like he oh, was yeah. just sort of going through the motions. And I think I made a comment about this when we did the rumble. Like guys in that era were so out of shape. Yeah. compared to wrestlers today well, and like just watching this match I'm like they were the massive looking, the best looking thing in there is fucking Jimmy Hart's suit <laughs> yeah now but your royal bellies all the way around I, I respectfully disagree with that they're not in shape they're, they're, they are in a shape they're, a, they're a shape there is a shape and they are in a serviceable wrestling shape oh for sure, sure. and 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 what are the th- now, uh, in, now in all seriousness here because yeah I could obviously take that in a fun you know funny direction maybe mm-hmm. We're going depending, to depending on the. Oh, uh, I'm gonna let you finish. Oh, your not as funny as you think you are. No, no, I never said. Look, like we said, you know, just like uh, Vincent McMahon and gimmicks, not everyone hits. All right, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just keep throwing them out there for a few that do. Hey, um, if you bat three out of ten, you're an all star. That's right. It's putting you in the hall. Yeah, you're still hitting. Yeah. yeah. Um. These guys weren't asked to do a lot in the ring, for a lot for a lot of these matches. No. Um. You know, the moves were. I'm, I don't want to say basic, but compared to what you see today. And the athleticism, the athleticism that a lot of these wrestlers bring, you know, 
Ted DiBiase wasn't asked to do a whole lot. You know, um, the natural disasters weren't being asked to do a whole lot. No. You know, um, nails was not being asked to do a whole lot for good reason. But we'll get into that. Well, later. of course, right? Um, so you don't need to be. You don't need to look like fucking. Um, I'm even trying to think of somebody who's just like completely cut right now. Well, um, you don't have to look like Scott Steiner. You don't have to look like Seth Rollins, uh, Seth Rollins or Ricochet or, or any of these guys today because it just wasn't being asked of them. So, um, and you know, you go back to um, uh, to to a lot of the guys at this time where you're just a lot of them are they're on the ground. They're not climbing ropes. They're not jumping. They're not flipping. There's a lot of grapple moves. There's a lot of whips and punches yeah, and things like that. There wasn't so, like the grandiose spectacle right. that there is today. Yeah. So yeah. If, you know, wrestling in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. 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 So you know, your guy like Dusty Rhodes, who has a certain physique, you are in shape to do what you do, and you can go. Yeah. And these guys, I think, for that were in shape, but you know, it wasn't until we get to the the final match of the night where you realize what happens when you're really. Oh in yeah, shape. when you know what you're doing, and and yeah. you know what you're doing, and then what that match because when you look at the at the first couple of matches of this card, uh, and I'll say Virgil aside because you know going into that next match, I was impressed with his athleticism. I forgot how fucking athletic Virgil was when he was you know when he was younger and peak everything. Virgil, yeah, peak Virgil, fragility. Um, but nobody was fucking moving like those last two guys were in that final match. No, and and when you saw that match, everybody else fucking realized. Well, now we know where we got to go. Yeah. Because that was yeah, just that's, that's that you just bar. saw oh, where when, when, when we get there. When we get yeah. there for sure, I just think uh, this match was an, a perfect example of what was an acceptable heat. I mean, crowd was hot for crowd was hot for everything. Yeah. Right? But this was 1992 pre SummerSlam. This match, LOD versus Money Inc., would have probably main evented all the B house show loops, and everyone would have been fine with it because it's the fucking Road Warriors against Ted DiBiase. It's like that. Oh, mega heel, mega baby faces, and you no. Know, but well, it was originally supposed to be. Legion of Doom versus Natural Disasters, right? Mm-hmm. But because of all the shit that was going on backstage, they're like, let's shuffle the card. They turn, they turn Natural be. Disasters babyface and, yeah. and move them in a direction yeah. to avoid. And actually, uh, I think it was, one, was it Sags or Knobs? One of the Nasty Boys is legit hurt, which is the only reason why it was the Beverly Brothers in the Natural Disasters spot and not... Well, the Nasty yeah. Boys worked the first Dark Match. Yeah, but like yeah. legit, like yeah. it was you know two minutes and eighteen seconds, whatever the dark match was. So, what was right. what was going on backstage, Jeff? Uh, cocaine, a lot of it, a lot, ah. a lot. In yeah. We'll get into that in a little bit. Oh, yeah. there's 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 a whole lot more cocaine. To come. Uh, there's a lot <laughs> more cocaine. <laughs> a lot of cocaine. Come, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a wrestling show, so it's a return of the Noah. Uh, rating system, and despite all of the flaws, and this did have it had some spots. I liked the uh, first of all. Great comical moment is when Hawk decides that he wants to sell, but not really sell. It doesn't want to bump, and he does like the stagger arms out <laughs> like a toddler who just woke up from a nap. Uh, but I do like that clothesline spot where Million Dollar Man moved into like an eighth gear of speed to get out of the way of that fucking lumbering motherfucker. But I gave it two weird ass puppets out of five. <laughs> Good. That's fair. Are we going to talk about the pre tapes? Um, or only when they're completely batshit crazy? I, I just, I really want to briefly just, um, one, I've said again. I'll say it every time I get a chance to just, just stand to the heavens and say that you know, we need another Gene Okerlund really badly. Oh yeah. Professional. Oh my wrestling. god. And and not so much even so much that well, it was Gene Okerlund. There's an emotional attachment I have to that that like his character, who he was. But you need. I think it's imperative that you need somebody to help 
dress the story. Yeah. To really add context. Frame it. Because he was the audience. He would be dis- he'd become disgusted. Oh, yeah. He would get excited. Like He's a fucking he pro. spoke Put for that us. cigarette out. Like yeah, yeah he 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 didn't get fucks. You know, but then he could like, I'll call my lawyer if you touch me. I love that shit. Oh, like, dude. He, he was so good at he that. He added, like, that legitimate, like, when you, like, picture 80s wrestling, you picture Hogan and Savage and stuff, but then you got to picture yeah, Mean Gene right in the middle holding the microphone yeah. right there. Yeah, 100%. He, he had the ability to just, to tell the story where some of these guys might not have been able to. I mean, you know, you you see the legendary clips of him with Macho Man and with Hogan and and Warrior and and everybody else at that time. But, you know, when you just kind of see him work like he did here, just, you know, you don't they don't have to say much. He can just go and he can put you in a position where you don't have to think about what to say. You can just react what he's basically he's feeding you. you. He will guide you through, and I think that gave a lot of context to a lot of these guys that we really grew up to love in the '80s and early '90s. Without realizing they couldn't, without promo realizing, for shit. or even if they, even if they could, it just, it just elevated it so much. And compared to today's, you know, guys who, um, well, uh, we're backstage, and uh, here's Brock Lesnar, and then there Brock goes off whatever was scripted for him for the next, you know, two minutes, and then Brock leaves, and they're just standing there with that goofy look, with that goofy look on their face, like. Uh, 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 back to you guys. Here's the danger. They don't even say back to you. At least these guys fucking said at least back to you. You know. Here's the danger of Gene Oakland, and I'm gonna go counter. And we've seen oh, this, this ought to be good. previously in our archives is that uh, you can use your power for good, which is to direct guys <laughs> like Ric Flair and the British Bulldog to serviceable promos when you're given direction, or you can use your power for evil. As noticeable in Halloween Havoc 1995, where Mean Gene Oakland just decides he doesn't care about what he's doing. He's just going to argue with people on live pay-per-view <laughs> for eight minutes. Who knows why the fuck they're there? Then he just cuts people off and sends it away because Eric Bischoff is having a coronary off camera. And it's because Gene, he was getting paid. He was paid no matter what the fuck he did. Guaranteed money, baby. Yeah, got to get that WCW like guaranteed dollars. Guaranteed money, honey, buddy. Uh, yeah. Uh, Gene backstage with Flair. Now, here's the thing. We, know, we all know what match comes last. Uh, they mentioned the Bulldog Brett match in the start when the kid decides that uh, Bulldogs can win whether he likes it or not. And then nobody talks about the match in the storyline until it's time. But they spend the entire pay per view promoting the WWF Championship match and trying to get the storyline over. Mr. Perfect this, Angle. Exactly. Yeah. And this is pre Raw. So they didn't have a primetime weekly vehicle that Raw would still be, what, four or five months away before it debuts. So they spend the entire pay-per-view when they're not actively in the ring selling you this, and that's exactly what Gene's doing with Flair. Starting like, oh, this is your thread throughout the whole show. Whose corner is perfect in? Whose corner is Flair in? Can I answer your question? Yeah? I didn't give shit. No, no, because we knew what was coming. Uh, well, no, and like, I, like, I'm sitting there watching it like and trying to put myself back in that state, That, but I didn't care. That, that storyline was weak. They're, they're they had no legs. The thing was yeah. like, if you look at the entire card, it's like, you have fucking Ric Flair on the roster, and he's not on the card. So they're going to milk that shit the whole way through without him actually having to quote-unquote work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's still getting paid that Flair showing up money. Yeah. But he's just not. And like, he, you couldn't have Flair do the thing he did best at that time, which is bump around. Me and Gene's like... You're not wrestling tonight. Why are you wearing your robe and your tights? And he's like, hey, I never know when I got to go to work. There's a, I have quite a few Flair jokes lined up for later in the oh. show. Uh, but there's a lot of other wrestlers that are in the show that Flair could have gone to a non-finish with. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of other guys. But then we get Sean Mooney, 
wrestler of the time and a pre-tape with Virgil. Yeah, real quick, all I wrote about Virgil is like, he cut a way harder promo than he had any business cutting. Until he said too legit to quit. Yeah, well, listen, it, it's got to fall it's apart like, at some God point. Damn, Look, in, the, in, in, the, in the 90s, we were legit. So then we had to quit. Yeah, I mean, that, I must that was admit. just a law. Yes. That was just a law. Uh, I, I have my notes here. Uh, oh, shit, Virgil, he charged Sean Mo Mooney $20 for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I did like... I, I didn't understand the entire angle of that of what was going on with the Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior match and really what role that Flair and Mr. Perf were playing in it. Well, Flair thought uh, he was a number one contender. No, no, no. I, 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 I kind of like start to put that together. I just didn't know what the whole purpose of the match was. Well, which corner is he in? And they kept showing like all the vignettes of what was going on before this. And it was just vignettes of Flair and Mr. Perfect beating the shit yeah. out, out of... of baby out of, make out any of, sense. No. So no. we're like... So like I'm sitting there and again, this was late at night and I'd been drinking so I was probably a little bit more confused than I should have been. But I'm sitting there like, why does it fuck matter what corner he's in because every video they showed me mr perfect is beating the shit out of both of them yep. it's not like he's helping anybody yeah. which is why i said it, i didn't care and yeah. no and i thought to myself and, and again i know why it wasn't but like that should have been the fucking tag match give me flair and perfect against macho man and ultimate warrior fucking take my money that would have well, been a there way was better an original match. plan that that's where they were going at the last yeah. and uh that's where they were going yeah. and warrior was supposed to go heal and then he's like fuck you i'm not doing that was it cocaine and so there's oh, a lot, we'll get to a the lot cocaine. of cocaine there's a whole mountain of cocaine that whole fuels bunch of cocaine. That match. when we get to that <laughs> feelings for other people that's a little when, when we get to that match i'll pinpoint the exact moment where the cocaine hits for ultimate <laughs> warrior <laughs> and know that fucking ring because i saw it happen i saw it well now virgil is uh making his way out virgil got music to something that i did not remember virgil ever having music except the time when he's like yokozuna uh when he gets squashed by yokozuna i remember that one moment but i never knew he had music before that uh, and the people are, of England are so starved for entertainment that they pop for, for Virgil. Let's, let, now listen, I'll, 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 I'll give Virgil shit, the character shit, all, all I want. Yep. But let's be fucking fair. This is, what is this, kind of off the heels of, you know, him turning it's on the... a year the, the, and a half. Yeah. He's still, that's still a big deal. He's still a big name. And you know what? He was in good shape. He was moving around. I mean, yeah, I mean Virgil he was wasn't a working. terrible wrestler. He was not yeah. bad no. by any stretch. He just sidled with a weird gimmick, and it just they didn't really do much with him beyond that. He was just defeated by his crippling love of yeah. meat sauce. From I, I have a fun side story about Virgil. So uh, my wife and I went to Philadelphia. It was probably 15-plus years ago uh, to go to Wizard World in Philly. Yeah, We were going there to meet Kevin Smith. Virgil was also there. He had a table. Uh, there was no one there. Never so, is. so we leave Philadelphia and I'm like, man, I'm really hungry. So like we pull off like some random exit, go into a McDonald's. Here's fucking sad Virgil in sweatpants, like sitting in the corner, just like eating his fucking Big Mac, like doesn't want to be bothered, doesn't want to talk to anybody. And like every time I see a Virgil match, all I see is like sad Virgil sad at McDonald's Virgil. and I can't take it serious anymore. <laughs> I, I guess, Not that I took it serious originally because it's point, fucking Virgil. It's Virgil. You you went way further to hang out with Virgil than you needed to. Just go down to the Whitfields house. Because my two notes for this match were, I've hung out with Virgil down at the Whitfields house. Just randomly invited over for a Whitfield birthday party. Those were fucking legendary. I don't remember Nails. That's all I have about that match. I had no recollection of Nails. And then 
I was like, this seems vaguely familiar, like when I rewatched it, and then I was like, I hit the Google and I was like, oh yeah, uh, now I remember. Who's the boss, boss Now fan. I remember. <laughs> See, I, I vividly remember Nails, but before we get to him jacking off that nightstick the entire time, here's my virtual story. So, in my very short-lived career as an indie wrestler, all right, I was at a show in uh, the Mon Valley of Pennsylvania, and I was in a tag team match, and I was a bad guy. And uh, my moveset is extreme. Do you mean heel? Yes. Yes, is a heel. That's for you, the dear, dear uh, for, listeners. For, for, for the smart listeners, the heel. Uh, and my moveset as a heel, was Jones has seen me wrestle as a babyface, was even more limited than my moveset as a babyface, as a heel. So I come in, and I just start stomping on a guy, and I grab a reverse chin lock so the babyface can get some air. Uh, Gino was the babyface's name. And he's selling, and he's selling, and he's reaching. Now, where we are in this room is the ring, and all the chairs are surrounding the ring. And then in the back is the snack bar. And the babyface is selling, and he's like, ah! And I'm like laughing, <laughs> And the babyface is like, ah! Ah! Holy Wait. shit, is that Virgil? <laughs> and he goes from selling into chin lock, and he looks all the way across the crowd, and there in the snack aisle is Virgil getting himself some nachos. And I immediately started laughing, stomped him, and tagged out. <laughs> and I just stood on the apron watching Virgil, who had, who had not really paying attention to me, wrestle. And I kid you not, a guy and his kid go up to talk to Virgil. And from what I understood, talking to the guy afterward, intermission, Virgil tried to charge him $20 to take a picture of them while he was in line for nachos. Can, can we go pay for those nachos? That's right. They don't pay he for themselves. He didn't have that million dollar DiBiase no. money at yeah. that point. He did pay to get into the show. I found out from the box office, which is good. So, so let me just go back for a second. So the chairs were around the ring. Yeah, that's where typically chairs are. Are yeah. you? Sh- what a fucking like concept. I know, right? I, have you I trademarked have pers- this? I have personally been going for chairs all in one straight line <laughs> to get a far as far away from the ring in a single row. The way you could say there's 300 rows in your arena, one chair deep, but no one's no one's no one's bought on that idea yet. Someday, yeah, someday. you should work on that. But yeah, it's, Virgil. It's, it's, it's Holy a- shit, is that Virgil? Cracked me, broke me, tagged out. <laughs> couldn't couldn't stop looking at him the entire time because I kept keep thinking about uh, all this era. But nails, so nails. We get to talk about nails now. So nails, nails with, with a Z, with a yeah. Z. So uh, in the era where they made constant monster heels for Hulk Hogan, right? And they would bring in constant baby faces for your Macho King or Jake Roberts just to be fed and moved along. And they'd start at the top and work their way down. At some point in 1991, 1992, they got the idea, Big Boss Man's been good to us. The kids love the cop. Let's give him a, Let's give him his own custom, his the cane to his undertaker. And so what's the opposite of a corrections officer in the Deep South? Well, an inmate from the Deep South. Well, the boss man's already a big guy, so we need a guy bigger. The boss man's got a big old intimidating voice. So, however, the guy that played Nails wasn't... He had a little blackluster voice, hi. He was so, David Prowse as Darth Vader. Yes. Yeah. So they they dropped his uh, voice down artificially in all of his promos. What's the G? So he sounds like uh, Kevin McAllister in <laughs> Home Alone 2 with the, with the talk boy. So he never cut a promo in real life. And the only thing they ever told him was once after, of course, he got his heat on the boss man and choked him out. That was his finish for a little while. It was a choke. Uh, was just go out and just jack off a nightstick and look intimidating. No other direction other than that. Just started jacking off that nightstick. So he choked and then he jacked off. Yeah. So Some people try to like do that together. Yeah. Fits, fits in line with our audience in a lot of ways from what mm. I understand. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Fuck you. 
but Nails would not be long for this world. Because, ironically, he would actually choke Vince McMahon out over a payday. Mm -hmm. It would be escorted from the building and fired and never heard from in wrestling again. And nothing of value was lost. No. (laughs) Nobody, except maybe the boss man who lost an opponent. Of course, he would would bounce around for a few years before going to WCW. Was that boss man's nightstick that he was jerking off? Yes. That was. Mm. That was the idea of taking that souvenir. Mm. Took the boss man's nightstick and just started jacking it off. Who's the boss, boss man? Is what he would say. Is he just would jerk off the nightstick in promos? That's all I would say. Yeah, we never really I, found out who I, the boss was. I had heard. I don't know if it was on a podcast or something I was listening to or watching, but that Bret Hart had heard a commotion from Vince's office, and it was Vince getting shoved out of his chair from nails, and then getting choked, and then security coming in and breaking it all up and escorting him. <laughs> uh, so after the match, so nails wins. With a, uh, with a shitty side choke. Uh, match is so shitty, even uh, Vince doesn't know how to call it. They're just calling base. And then, uh, of course, a very large white inmate starts beating on the man of color with a nightstick, yep. which is very 1992 to yep. have happened. Uh, and yep. is the least is not the most racist thing that's going to happen on this show. Nope, nope. I got that not note. Not yep. at all. Nope. Uh, so I have, uh, and here's the thing, though. Being real, uh, Virgil takes uh, five minutes in, takes his second bump. There are four bumps in the entire match. Uh, none of which are done by Nails. All of which are done by Virgil against his own will. I rate Nails versus Virgil zero bumps out of five. Uh, it, it was fucking terrible match. Yeah, not a good match. No. Yeah. You know, and we talked about it way longer than the actual match. The actual uh, match yeah, was and less that's than a travesty in itself. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a lot to be said about what you also just said about the call with Vince McMahon. Yeah. I was really underwhelmed by the call on this card altogether. Uh, now, the crowd, I think, was so loud at some point that they probably were having, I think, some difficulty hearing each other. But, I mean, you could have put that thing on mute. I don't think lost anything from the pay-per-view because I think just the two between Heenan and, and, and Vince, I just thought it was awful. I disagree. I think Vince didn't add too much because Vince is doing that, that constant yelling, and he's all the way up here, and he's never coming down. But Heenan came to work. Yeah. Heenan always comes to work. It's like, stop it, Bobby. There, there's not a lot to, to do for Heenan in these instances, but there's matches that are have no business Heenan even attempting to get over. We'll get there, but he does. So I disagree with that, but yeah, Vince underwhelmed me. But he's the he's the baby face. I, I would agree that. with that. I think it's, it's right in the middle between the two of you guys because, honestly, Vince is not a bad play-by-play guy he's not bad but he just wasn't good in this show yeah but i agree the brain man god damn it he just is always doing his thing and total mvp total mvp well moving along to someone who's not an mvp we get a pre-tape with uh alfred uh which in that instance lord alfred lord alfred hayes yes uh, bite your tongue. Who is in the very worst performance of his career in this pay-per-view, doing the most pointless ba- pre-tapes in the history of wrestling. The first of which here, he's looking for Mr. Perfect. He tries to break into Savage's locker room. Like, he tries to commit a felony, but it's not in the United States. So, I think he, they won't extra He's already English. Technically, is there a law being broken? He's a lord. The real I mean, question is, what was... He's a fucking lord. There's no what was Alfred going to do in there? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, whatever the fuck he wants to, I guess, is the answer. But he's looking for... He's just here to continue the perfect Macho Man Savage storyline. And then we get pre-tape with someone who... it's. I just feel bad that I never think of. But she is so goddamn incredible. Sensational Sherry. Yep. True, absolute legend. Breaking down that the Rick Martell... Rick Mardell, or whatever we ended up calling him, versus Shawn Michaels' badges, basically all based around who Sherry wants to fuck. True. And that is enough... Um, to actually get us into the next match. No, it's who she winking at. 
Yeah. Or who's winking at her? Talking about either it, way, and, she and, looks like fucking Zool from Ghostbusters. Did she wink <laughs> back? Looking for the key master. <laughs> oh, she found a few key masters. I think. Yeah, you sure. oh, yeah, keys, yeah. oh, I just, I just loved how the euphemism for this was: she winked, and then he winked back, and then she winked back, and I'm like, that, that's fucking. See, Sherry kind of, kind of remind me of the kind of person that you'd go into a bar and you'd go into the bathroom and she would wink at you while you're in the bathroom and you wouldn't even know any idea what the hell just happened to you and you would repress that memory until you realize oh yeah she just sexually assaulted you in the bathroom of Denny's <laughs> you just said she Sherry I don't has, she, has Sherry's ever been told no was anyone that crazy to ever tell her no mm-hmm. did you even see, if they said no, no smart, she didn't no. care <laughs> did you see She's her in the assless chaps yep. no nobody said no no nobody would say no, no. No, she was she was a she was a heel. How about someone had heat back in the day? Oh yeah, when I was a kid, I was convinced up until I got access to the internet and discovered that I was to- terribly fucking wrong. I was convinced that Sherry and the model were either brother and sister or they were fucking married. Because they were both Martells. I mean, it made perfect fucking sense. Yeah. I'd lean towards the brother and sister part, both dark hair. I could see that working out, you know? I was totally fucking wrong. I was so disappointed no. when I realized they were One's not One's a French Canadian and one is deep south lady. Very deep south, yeah. which you can't tell. How deep? Deep. So fucking deep. Real deep. At least oh, two knuckles deep into the south. Jesus Christ. Now, however, the further south you get, the more related those knuckles are to you. But we'll ignore <laughs> right past that. Oh, boy. Anyways. <laughs> so the match itself, uh, no hitting in the face, which didn't last that long. Nope. Oh. No. All it took was a slap uh, halfway through. Oh, it was and Shawn Michaels hitting such a nice drop kick that he forgot about it. And, and Martel gets a welt on the side of his face. Shawn Michaels absolutely blasting him with the drop kick. This I, was very early Heartbreak Kid. Oh, do, and, yeah, the earliest. And, and it's it's fun when it's two heels because like they're both so bitter and angry, and yeah. the crowd's just eating it up because there's like we don't know who to root for, so we're gonna root for both guys. Yep. Sean Michaels to me looked like he just walked right out of a Def Leppard video. For in sure. This, in this match, White like, or, yeah. like this was like aha take on me, where he just fucking walked through from black and white to color. Yep. It just happened to be in Wembley Stadium at the same time. I mean, we're still in the first year of Sean's heel turn. Like within yeah. the first year, the barbershop was less than a year ago, uh, and it was so surreal to me that Heenan is whistling and singing along to Shawn Michaels' theme song. Like you know, those generations met, but you didn't realize that Heenan, just because Shawn Michaels is a heel, is all on Team Shawn Michaels. You just yeah. kind of look at those as that's the era. After he went to WCW, did Shawn Michaels start to blossom? Yeah, but uh, the highlight of this match for me was uh, the commentary and the sexual innuendos that were dropped throughout the match. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vince McMahon uh, references Sherry's Twin Peaks. Yeah, Body of the Twin Peaks joke. Body of the Brain asks which one of them is going to pile drive Sherry. (laughs) Uh, And then he made a joke which probably didn't stick then, but it sticks pretty well right now he asked vince what he would do if sherry was his neighbor if she lived oh, his, if she lived on his street and i was like oh yeah he's fucking that oh yeah oh for sure uh there's a uh, uh when uh sherry's ass is out the entire time uh vince makes the idea about uh, talk about being cheek to cheek which is again you're talking about the most risque thing they'd ever done in the wwf until this pay-per-view was, was, cheeks, was yeah. uh elizabeth whipping her her skirt off and showing that she was in a bikini bottom at yeah. the main event of SummerSlam four years before. Yeah, this, this was uh, pre tits and ass, pre attitude era. And Sherry was ahead. She of was the showing game. quite yeah. a bit of bit yeah. of skin. So yes. much cheek there, and I was not complaining about it. 
And it wasn't like, like you know, we're talking about uh, modern day wrestlers here in 2022. And like, like having an ass is now like a science. You know, there's like, there's like measurable quanta. What's the curve ratio? You know, it's like physics involved in that ass. But Sherry was ahead of the curve, man. You didn't really care because you didn't see any cheeks. And it was yeah. a welcome o- o- oasis. I, I no, and then there was the 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 fake passing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Shawn Michaels tries to kiss her while she's passed out. And then Rick, Rick the Models just hand a titty trying to give her CPR. Yeah. Just get everyone well, get in good there. Good times. Good it's times. actually so, the match works better for it. Be, so there's a lot of babyface versus babyface and heel versus heel on this show. Yeah. There's three matches where people have the same uh, alignment fight each other. This is the only heel and heel, and this match actually achieves the comedy aspect that other stuff was going for. Yeah. It was pretty show. entertaining. For yeah. Not as much action as you would think there would be in a match with fucking Shawn Michaels. My my favorite part of this match was right at the end when Sean's trying to carry her out. Yeah. And then he gets knocked over. <laughs> she drops. <laughs> he fucking dumps her. She <laughs> fucking, fucking, fucking dumps her. Then, then the model picks her up and carries her. And then he gets fucking dropped and she hits again. See, they got to be Sean riveter, picks man. him up. Like, the fact that they just kept doing that all the way down the runway until, the, until Rick comes out with the fucking bucket. You know? Um... I got a kick out of that. I oh, yeah. thought that was actually oh, yeah. really funny. And there was that really weird camera shot where she's laying and like the camera's like up against her face and just like it kept like peeking up to see yeah. which one of them mm-hmm. was going to come yeah. back next. And I was like, someone like, had a cheeky fucking, idea with this laying is that down. Ridiculous. But yeah, you got to tell someone was ribbing Sherry because they're like, all right, we're going to carry her and then we're going to, guys are going to fight over. But I mean, this is, Sherry's a worker, right? So she was yeah. former WWF Women's Champion. She's one of the first people to beat Moolah. And in that era, before they discovered that she's more money as a heel, so why why waste her wrestling? Just stick her with somebody else. But she bumps, so they're like, "Oh, we're not just gonna put her down. They fucking throw her <laughs> down the alleyway like they're bowling for yeah. Sherry." Yeah, it was it was, it, was it was pretty much like cornhole, but 1992. It was incredible. Speaking of cornhole, oh. uh, those were not the only cheeks. Sherry's were not the only cheeks we saw because we saw Sean's uh. and we saw Rick Martell's. Oh yeah, there's an entire ass crack segment. There here. was like a four like reversal ass crack like extravaganza going on at that point too. Which is it uh, for some strange reason, and I never realized it until this moment that I put it in idea that Shawn Michaels' ass crack was like one of his character traits from the minute he turned heel until he found Jesus. Like, that was like, oh, it's yeah. a Shawn Michaels match. His ass is out. He's, it's at WrestleMania 14, WrestleMania 12, WrestleMania 11, WrestleMania 10, and the latter match, his ass is out the whole time. If, like, his, if his ass crack got elected into the Hall of Fame, would the rest of Shawn Michaels be there for the induction ceremony? Uh, I would say that He wouldn't be the, looking at it because uh, of his lazy uh, eye. I was going to say, most of his hair would not be able to make the attend. Anyway, his hairline would be missing as well. Uh, but anyway, I really enjoyed this match. I thought, on a show where uh, most matches are subpar, in a way, uh, the main event is incredible, and one of the matches goes way better than it should. On paper, you're like, "Oh yeah, this this has a lot of legs." And they do, they don't do the technical wrestling, even though they were doing some impressive shit that was ahead of its time—the cartwheel spots and the yep. one-upsmanship. But I thought this match was way more entertaining than it had to be, and it was like, "Oh, instead of having Virgil and Nails, and later on with Crush and Barry Darso, like this is the this is what we want to kill time." to get everybody into the second half of the year. So, I gave this thing three butt cheeks out of five. Oh, uh, oh that's fair. It's a fair amount of I'll cheeks. take it. <laughs> why, um... Noah, why are, why are butt cracks... <laughs> why are butt cracks vertical? 
and not horizontal. Why, Dave? Because if you go down a slide, it'll go. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, boy. I like how sometimes she's got to crack herself up. Yeah. <laughs> I've said that joke so many times, and it still just made me laugh. So, moving past the shitty pre-tape of the, the Nasty Boys, largely wasting the amount of time. Yes, I didn't write a single thing about it. No, nope, nope, I just same. put shitty pre-tape with the Nasty Boys. Not they good. laugh at Cherry. Uh, the next match is for the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Championship. It's the Natural Disasters versus the Beverly Brothers. Now, uh, first of all, I thought there was a lot of ass cheeks in the Cherry's match, but we're about to... Hold on, folks. We're about to get there. <laughs> But the Beverly Brothers, who I have purposely probably blocked out of my mind from this era, right? They have porn music. They come out <laughs> to porn music. Yes. And I just could imagine Vince like, give them porn music. And Jim Johnston's like, cool. I got this. <laughs> I can do that. It's play on a Casio. There we go. And they're, they're going to be facing the reigning WWF Tag Team Champions, Earthquake and Typhoon, the natural disasters, who are baby faces now, somehow. How's everyone feel about this? Yeah. There was a match that happened. It did. The, the notes that I have is uh, on those two guys, those belts look like toy belts. Teeny, teeny, teeny. They are so small. Uh, the match was sort of lackluster. I don't remember the Beverly Brothers that much. The I think the best thing about it was sort of the ambiance of the stadium because that's when sunset hit. Yeah. And you could start to see like the lighting change and everything, just like the overall feel and the mood of the building and they started focusing on the crowd more and I'm sorry to all of our friends who were in Wembley Stadium in 1992 it was an ugly fucking crowd oh man like it was not it <laughs> was some not. really unattractive motherfuckers <laughs> really they, made, they made Earthquake and Typhoon look like okay look at those handsome devils listen if you were in that crowd in 1992 you fucking know what you did you know what you look like yeah. don't fucking try to pretend yeah. like you didn't I hope you fixed that over 30 years they did um, not they did not. As far as I'm concerned, I okay, so I approached this match. It started, and I went, well, I'm going to go take a shit. So I got up, I, 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 I you know, and I came back, the match was still going. <laughs> and I'm like, well, all right, let's, let's get something to eat. So I got up, and I started fucking around in the kitchen to get something to eat. Uh, it didn't take very long, like a minute or two. Came back, and I'm like, all right, let's finish this shit. And you know what? It was surprisingly good. <laughs> I'm not saying it was the best fucking match I've ever seen, but for who was in it... Like the the last couple minutes were pretty solid for who was in it. Yeah, the finish I, was I, solid. I do agree yeah. with you on and that. And the crowd was yeah. hot for it. The crowd and, was not just hot for it. They were fucking like all in for it. Like this was the point in the paper. This was the point I thought in the night where the crowd almost started to be like a, a a joke upon itself by how into the matches they were. Yeah, you know, like they re- they really they really started to come alive for this show. And as the night went on, they didn't diminish. They got they got fucking it got, hotter, it got dude. Hotter and hotter. They man. did. Uh, so so my two major thoughts that came had nothing to do with the wrestling in this match. At one point, I noticed that everybody in this match had a mullet. They <laughs> now started the true mullet section, not like the IRS slight mullet, right? And like the like little hanging on mullet or the Shawn Michaels mullet but with rick martell with like that like no everyone in this match had a mullet not just a mullet there's four different mullets <laughs> happening in this match earthquake has the horseshoe type mullet 
Uh, Tugboat is rocking a Leonard Skinner mullet, right? Uh, Bo Beverly has the 80s car salesman mullet. And Blake Beverly has the WCW babyface mullet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. It's like an envisioning. Yes. Yeah. Exactly yeah, you know exactly what it is. Everybody exactly what it is. is. Everyone yeah. in this fucking match has a mullet, and it's all four. It's like it's 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 the mullet match. The other thing I noticed was at one point when he comes in for his house of fire. Earth chief, earthquakes trunks. Did you just, call him Earth chief? <laughs> his, his trunks have gave ever, up the fight against them cheeks, dude. You, have you ever like, seen a male camel toe? Because that happened to his ass. I, I described it like the Earth, fault. The fault line was real. Oh, they man. kept escaping. It looks like this is my note. I have. It looks like two Volkswagens being held up by a hammock. <laughs> <laughs> like those things fucking go. And and, and and like no amount of lycra or spandex was gonna keep those things in. And when he hit that finish, it was cheeks cheeks ablaze, baby. There, there is something to be said about looking at a man that looks like Earthquake or Typhoon with their hair. Because you're talking mullets. They weren't full mullets. No. Their their hair was running away from... Their hairline was running away for, faster from the front of their face than they could even keep up with. It was just like someone slid his hair down. Yeah. down yeah. If you, it wasn't like full on Hogan all the way just, back, but it was, it was getting there. Yeah, it was there. Oh yeah. They, 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 if you saw Earthquake and Typhoon in, a, in an airport, you would think that they should be pushing a janitorial cart sweeping the place. Not, not being the fucking WWF reigning tag team champions. Yep performing in front of 80,000 fans who fucking loved every single second of it. I felt like Mick Foley won the title for the first time when this match ended. Yeah, like they, <laughs> it, it, it erupted like that. When they, when Earthquake cued is finished, the place went fucking nuts and they didn't come back down until after the disasters were out of the ring. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that I could think of is the crowd was so excited that he didn't kill that man when he landed on his head. It was a safe bump. It was real yeah. safe. He didn't Yokozuna, the poor jobber. He no, went, no, he didn't he went down real nice, and the crowd didn't care. They didn't chant, you fucked up. Uh, but the natural disaster is retained because we got baby faces. Uh, you know, gotta, they got to be all over this goddamn show. He made a comment about eight rows back flying off their seats <laughs> whenever <laughs> the natural disasters hit uh, their uh, brain. Bobby Heenan <laughs> makes an Earl of Sandwich joke, and it's fantastic about the weight of the natural disasters. Completely underrated. But I, uh, I, we have baby faces. I, and it's at this point, I realize that going into the show, and because of the nature of this, at the end of this, a baby faces every champion in the WWF. At this point in 1992, it's an interesting time. I gave this match, uh, because of how hot the crowd was and how not bad it was, two thunder cheeks out of five. <laughs> I think that's fair. Oh Sorry, right, let's get to a match that isn't fair. Before we do, oh, I just got to mention yeah, the fucking the pure cocaine-fueled madness that is the pre-tape with the fucking Bushwhackers. Oh, my, oh God. my God. They, they came straight off oh. a bender into oh. that room to, with a microphone in their face. It's fucking brutal, oh. dude. <laughs> There's something about watching them and yeah. listening to them they cut, when they cut a promo where it's like you just stare off and you're just you're caught in it. <laughs> it's like the eye of the fucking hurricane. You like start turning away. Your body turns away, but your head can't stop. Well, you, you, you realize that the Bushwhackers weren't like actually performing. That's just what their face looked like when they did cocaine. That's who they are. There's yeah, an yeah. infamous story Bret Hart tells about how fucking crazy the Bushwhackers when they used to be known as the Sheep Herders were. Yeah, uh, you know about this story? I might about about how uh, they would they would. Mm, they would live for fucking with other wrestlers that they saw on the highway with them. So, <laughs> Bret Hart is driving down the road, and he had Jim Neidhart and Jimmy Hart in the back of their car. And they come up on a car that he's like, that looks like that looks like the car that, that the Bushwhackers have, the Sheep Herders, because that's how they knew them from from Calgary. And the car starts slowing down, 
and Brett's behind him like, what's wrong? And it's like slowing down obnoxiously. And while Brett's driving, the fucking trunk pops open on the car. And there's one bushwhacker dry up in the other one. While going down the highway. <laughs> Who's driving the car? I don't know. Jesus. <laughs> Brett never said it. But I've never been able to get that image out of my head. It's like, what the fuck? Make it eye contact, I'm That's sure. Fantastic. And for that, thank God the Bushwhackers <laughs> in the Hall of Fame for that fucking story alone. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so they oh. make some jokes about taking a shit in the Royal Palace. And, yeah. uh, they like cocaine. Yeah. Gene Oakland just has a, yeah. has a good time. Can, can we, can we acknowledge the elephant wild. in the fucking room here? Cocaine? No. Well, that was the other elephant in the room. Uh, so... And I don't remember because they were in the '92 Rumble, weren't they? They were. The they were. Yeah. yeah. I'm too. I was too drunk to remember what the fuck we talked about, so I don't know if I brought this up. Uh, but the elephant in the room for me, uh, as a kid, as a fucking grown ass man, still stands. These motherfuckers lick children's heads. They licked everybody. And it's fucking weird to me. And I can't... In hindsight. It's I, like, I probably should have let that dude lick my head. Hindsight? Weird. Motherfucker, that shit was weird then. <laughs> like, what do you mean hindsight? As, as a kid, you're like, come on, fuck it. You're in that shit. No. You're in hepatitis. But, you, but like, you, I remember like as a kid seeing on TV and going... Why? Why would? Yeah. Who does that? You're and like, I can either get Brett's glasses or I can get my head licked my, by my a bushwhack. Only, my only... Uh, thought is maybe the only explanation I have is it's like the trauma of it. The kids, they just it happened. They're on TV. It's too late. It's on. <laughs> it's there. It's just it just it, the moment happens. They're licked. It just seems like all of that would be evidence in a court case later, but we didn't like, even. What the that fuck, point. man? Oh my god. I just yeah. it's such a weird thing to do. Guys, guys, yeah. So ready for it. No, it's no. a two-parter. Wait, wait, what? Uh, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. We are going a little long. We're yeah. we're doing a wrestling episode, and it's going to turn into a two-parter. The fuck you say? At some point, you? we will actually do an entire pay-per-view in one sitting. I don't know when, when that'll. Probably I don't not. know. Probably not. I don't think we can. We didn't even manage. Wait, no, we did. We did do one. We did in your house, nineteen ninety-five, as one paper because the show's an hour and twenty-eight that minutes. That does That's make things easier. The show, request, our, paper yes. still, our review is still two hours. That just didn't feel like splitting it in you, half. You so. basically are saying that if we ever just fucking decided to like do a raw, it's still going to be two-parter. Yep. <laughs> God damn it. And Fuck. speaking of doing it raw, <laughs> we're doing you raw, you fucking nasty sluts. Listening each and every week. Here. Fuck you. You like it. You don't. But you do. But you don't. But you do. Who cares? I don't. Fuck you. Next week, part two.